Bonjour and welcome back to Let Them Eat Takes. We are excited for this episode for a couple of reasons. One, we're going to be talking about the world champions Atlanta Braves. Uh, we're going to talk about what was our favorite parts of their postseason run. We're going to be talking about some other MLB adjacent things, the Astros, the Dodgers, all that good stuff. And uh, we're also going to be talking a healthy dose of college football, specifically the playoff format. How many teams are they going to throw into this thing eventually? Yeah, this is going to be a good episode. We're excited to bring it to you. Buckle up. This is Let Them Eat Takes. So I don't know where y'all wanted to start because a lot has happened. What you thinking? Well, Jonathan, what's happened since the last time we recorded? Since the last time we recorded, the Braves have won the World Series. Um, mm. According to lots of uh, national media, somehow, some way, we don't understand how the Braves won it, but they won it. Um. They won it, and it wasn't problematic in any way for anyone. Yeah, yeah. There's oh. also been a lot happening. Oh, oh look, I, I stumbled into Plashkey's Corner. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, that? O- October 15th. The story is about nine concerns the Dodgers should have about facing the Braves. But sorry, you could list 99 concerns, and this still feels like Dodgers in five. Hmm. Love it. That way. it felt that way. October 16th. We're going day by day here. After the five-game madness against the Giants, this NLCS Game 1 in sterile shopping mall Atlanta Stadium feels like a Saturday night in May. Most excitement is discussion of a post-game trip to Waffle House. You know, ironically, he did get some things right, which was the best part of the Dodgers' playoff experience was Waffle House. <laughs> Undoubtedly. It's amazing how all that... All that hate and shade he was throwing turned into like, like was was like pressurized and turned into some really brilliant marketing, social media marketing strategies with, or even just oh, yeah. non-social media marketing strategies with Waffle House and, and everybody right. who posted from True. So that was, was just like, that was October fifteenth and sixteenth. October seventeenth, Braves gosh. didn't win NLCS game one as much as the Dodgers offense lost it. Uh, a tale as old as time. Oh, I haven't heard of that one before in any sport. Nope, definitely not. Uh, let's see. Also October 17th, doubling down. Uh, two batters into game two. It's so quiet in Atlanta, you can hear a cheap phone tomahawk drop. What? I have one in my office. Let me see what it sounds like when I drop it. <laughs> let's hear it. Everyone be really quiet. That was I, very quiet. So it was very quiet. I actually heard it. Yeah, we heard it. I made sure it hit the dick condenser. Let me see one more time. There you go. Well, I think I'll it's never fil- give these out again. This is a treasure. I think I filtered out a lot of that, but ah. hey, it's a good. That's good, Mike, right there. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, Craig's right. like no. Here we go. Here's another. Here's another dumb one from Plashki, uh, October nineteenth. Just a trip down memory lane. Hard to complain about the missed third strike call on Jock when Dodgers beating themselves with dropped fly and failed backhand. Failed backhand? Fans booing and don't blame them. Mm. All right. Getting a few rumbles here, right? (laughs) The veneer is slowly crumbling. Oh, wait. October 20th. Dodgers were down for the count. Now it's the Braves who are on the ropes. Parentheses. Up two to one at this point. Yeah, you can be on the ropes up two to one. <laughs> yeah, man. As as you, if you lose a game in the playoffs, you are on the ropes. Oh, man. And then, oh, momentum lost. Inspiration gone. Season disappeared. Dodgers go from miracle comeback to three hours of collapsing cringe. There was never a miracle comeback. This Was the series ever tied? 
ever. The miracle comeback was them scoring, what is it, nine runs in LA against our worst pitchers. Yeah. We put yeah. Drew Smiley in to throw batting practice, and they're like, oh, look, we can hit it out. It's like, congratulations. Yeah, Luke Jackson's secret daddy sent out sent him out to take on his metaphorical daddy and did not go well, as we know. As Luke Jackson <laughs> <guessed. laughs> mm. Man, I feel like if you're Bill Plaschke or any of that Dodgers fan ilk, <laughs> watching that series happen was probably like being the captain of the Titanic, watching the iceberg slowly approach. It's like, ah, I know. I know it's an iceberg, but this is... This this ship is unsinkable. This baseball team is unbeatable. We have handsome boys good at baseball at every position. Mm-hmm. Oh man. We we right. oh, October twenty fourth, in a season that seems so invincible, the unthinkable has happened. The Dodgers are done. Oh, How is man. this unthinkable? How is this unthinkable? It's not like the Dodgers won six straight World Series here, people. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that the knock on them before last year is that they can't win the big one? Just like yeah. the Braves and, or whatever. And winning World Series is hard. And so even if you're the best team or one of the best teams, you don't always win it. It is not unthinkable for any specific team to have a deep playoff run but not win the World Series. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Insane. And he wasn't the only one writing that. There were others, but he was certainly probably the more well known but i was encouraged to see some dodger fans like we don't we don't we don't like them please don't think <laughs> <Like> this <laughs> every fan base has them got gotta have oh them. i know that braves have them oh lord we have them in spades i hate follow them still and i shouldn't <laughs> yeah i don't follow jeff schultz i mean those people Why who still I? talk about ugh. he's a special kind of awful he openly hates the teams he's supposed to cover it's not a secret to anyone. And the and, and you know it's uh the move is always when the team he's covering or he's he, he is actually playing well, he can always pivot to some social topic that is upsetting about them to get his wine in. So if it's not the play on the field, it's just I don't know, the chop or some other thing. How come Atlanta gave up? The city of Atlanta gave up on underground Atlanta and all the infrastructure built for You're the ninety six. No, no, I will not. I was going to rant and rave about something <laughs> like else this morning, but I will not. That fucking CNN article, I will not justify it. Like whatever was posted in our Discord that CNN, it was like the day after. I'm guilty. I posted the day that. after I, the Braves World Series. I mean, it's not. I mean, I don't care. Someone it popped it. up in my newsfeed, and I had to read it, and nothing about it surprised me. It was like you asked a fourth year journalism major to write an article about the Braves winning the World Series. It was that bad. They made a lot of assumptions, and I did look up the the writer, and he is a uh, he is a person of color, so maybe he has some insights that I don't have. But I thought it was. Kind of a gross generalization to say that the Braves don't have a lot of black fans. I I don't, I don't go think- to Truist and the Battery a ton, and as someone who is not one hundred percent white, I can tell you that place is not one hundred percent white. And the people who want to go there and pretend that it's just a bunch of folks listening to Luke Bryan, like, are kidding themselves. They're just looking for it. No offense, Luke Bryan, unless you're Scott, and in which case, plenty of offense yeah, to Luke Bryan. Exactly. <laughs> I, I 100% offense to Luke Bryan. Or whatever. Does that guy done. get turned on by corn? I'm sorry? Doesn't he get turned <laughs> on by corn? He, he did that song, like, Rain. That, that, is, corn. that is called corn being down with the sickness. Frisky. <laughs> down with the sickness. <laughs> I was like, I, I thought you meant the band corn, and I was like, Down. <laughs> No, that's not corn. That, yeah, that's that system of a down. No, that's disturbed. Never mind. Anyway, <laughs> lots of bad takes about the Braves. Is the tomahawk chop racist? I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. We're not. I'm not doing it, guys. Do not yeah, make I'm me here, go there this morning. I'm here to talk about the the World Series, uh, Atlanta Braves. Right well, now, I'll have I'll have one take about that. If the Braves ever have to change their name, I know I used to say Jesus. we should just be the Barves and. No, <laughs> culture. I'd actually rather be the bloopers now because a blooper is the the third is king. He's the sleeper MVP of the postseason for me. He has single handedly taken his whole image from like one that people were like, "Why do we have this 
using Twitter and social and a lot of his gags and just like become pretty internet famous across the sports Twitter. He won just... me over last year when he uh, got up in a ghillie suit, I think for the, Oh yeah, the, the, the bubble, the bubble postseason, and in yeah, he just he stood still for like six innings, didn't do anything. He just stood on top of the opposing team's dugout in a ghillie suit, not moving an inch. <laughs> That's commitment. <laughs> it is commitment. He won over my wife when he did the uh, the David Rose. Oh out yeah, field at the cornfield, the shit's creep, shit's yeah, creep yeah. bit. David Blooper. <laughs> anyway I loved this pl- I love this postseason run I love that we got to beat both the insanely overpaid Dodgers the filthy stinking rich Dodgers with golden gloves and uh, Cy Young finalists everywhere mm-hmm. and we got to beat the cheating Astros in one the trash Astros the trash Astros Oh, I did delicious. see the photo, one of the photo finishes. I think it was uh, either Dansby's or Freddie's home run. The ball hit the waste management sign or something. I didn't notice oh, that. Yeah. All those games they played in Houston, their outfield has waste management advertising all over it. Like, what are you doing, Houston? Like, are you just, <laughs> you're just setting them up? I didn't notice that. Setting them up. Just like, <laughs> just like the cameras set up Altuve and Correa to smash some balls out of the train tracks. They just set the social media up to hit those, uh, those zingers. So I have, I have a question about Altuve in the cameras. Do they do the same tricks that they did in the Hobbit movies and like Lord of the Rings when they're filming Altuve? Wait, wait, wait. I don't know about this. What's the Altuve (laughs) camera thing? No, I was I was asking. I didn't know if it's a thing because, like, I know in Lord of the Rings, they did a bunch of the force perspective. perspective Did they do that with Altuve? Does he have oh, a, uh, does he have <laughs> a person body double, or? Yeah, they just they just call up the local eighth grade. Like, hey, we need a give us oh, your huskiest one. The little cheater who could. The uh, I had two questions about this. I want to know what y'all think. One is about the Trastros. There was a little back and forth in our Discord about folks who are like. Well, they did cheat for sure, but these are really great pr- players and we can still admire their greatness. And that was from the standpoint of like, they may have been great players with God-given talent, but they cheated. So I don't really feel like I need to play the game to decide what years they cheated and what years they didn't. So for me, I'm not admiring anything. I don't know where y'all sit on that. Uh. What's the Mad Men thing where the elevator closes and he says, I don't even think about you at all? Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's me and the Astros. Oh, uh, I love it. That's oh, great. man. You got... Hmm. I love it. I uh, I gave a... I tried to uh, I split the baby when, when I weighed in on that. I was like, if you're an Astros fan and you waited for that a long time, like I'm not going to fault you because you didn't know they were cheating and you didn't help them cheat. It's not a fan thing, yeah, for sure. Not yeah, but uh, like Jose Altuve and Correa and all those guys, <laughs> Bregman, like I don't know if they should have their rings taken away from. I know one of their. They should. Let me help you. They should. I know one of the pitchers on that team didn't know what was going on, and when he did find out about it, he said, "I'll give back my ring if the MLB." Yeah, I remember that. He's the one that they had on the uh, the podcast they made about it. I forget his name. Dang it. At anyway, the keep... very least, they deserve to be mocked the rest of their baseball careers because they, they do. Because they, they did get punished. Ba- they could have easily been banned. Joe Kelly got missed more baseball games for taunting them than they got for cheating. Anyway, so yeah, so I don't root for them. I don't care about the God-given talent. Isn't it amazing that this guy? I mean, Altuve is from the same city as my mom in South America and Venezuela. They grew up in the same city, not at the same time, obviously, but they're from the. I've I lived there. Like I have every reason in the world to root for this guy, and I don't give a crap. <laughs> like freaking cheater. God, what's the reason for your ambivalence? Probably quality of life decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they did their thing. It's whatever. That you know the the most annoying part 
which I think a lot of people agree with, is uh, the MLB response to it, right? Yeah, that's true. You know? And so it's like, hey, man, I will happily boo Rob Manfred until my, like, voice stops working, right? So I go horse and, like, die of dehydration. No, (laughs) boo Rob Manfred to the end. Boo. Man, now I really want that to be, like, the last thing I say on my deathbed. (laughs) <laughs> it's like booing Rob Manfred. Boo you, Rob Manfred. <laughs> the other, the uh, other question. That's where my energy goes on that. Uh, okay, but but not on. It also doesn't go to defending the Astros. <laughs> yeah, would you? So my other question, uh, by the way, um, an aside. It was very hilarious when Rob Manfred had to get up there and present the World Series trophy to the Braves after taking the All Star game from them. Oh, and yeah. I know he got booed heavily at the World Series trophy presentation last year. He so did. it's at least two years running where he's got heavily booed at yes. the end of the World Series. Yes. You need correct. to go back and see how many years running this is. He might be like setting some all time, you know, commissioner records here. We're witnessing oh, yeah. history. It yeah. puts the Goodell boos on draft day to shame because it there's does. like an extra tone of maliciousness in those boos. Well, and it's, yeah, he, the, the Goodell draft day boos are like, <laughs> it's a draft day booing tradition, everyone. Let us enjoy, <laughs> right? And like, the Manfred boos are like, you're lucky security won't let us on these field right now, boos. The, uh, the, he handed that trophy and got the hell off that stage as quickly as possible. He's like, literally pushing players out of the way, like, get me out of here. Like, he did not want to be out there. What a, what Speaking a of people... Speaking of people getting off the stage, can we please get all the random old like CEO type dudes off of the freaking thing? It's like the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. Here's a bunch of CEOs you've never seen before. I want to see those guys. I want to see like Snicker and Ron Washington and all the players up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, they do that in all the sports, don't they? The, yeah, uh, they do. <clears throat> the other question I had for you, still baseball related, still, still, uh, somewhat World Series related, not really. So they, yesterday, all the, uh, uh, what's it called, season award finalists came out, and you know, for like MVP candidates, Cy Young candidates, Rookie of the Year candidates, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Twitter was alive with like. No one from the Braves on that, which I'm not saying there should be or shouldn't be. I guess my philosophical question is, should postseason matter when it comes to that kind of stuff, or they should just keep it a regular season award? Because I, I we're told that, like, oh, well, this is a regular season award, but also we're going to do it after the postseason. So I'm sitting there scratching my head like, this doesn't make no sense. <laughs> yeah, regular season only awards, in my opinion, should be done. Before the postseason, yeah, I think there's I mean, an argument. There's an argument for making some of these awards include like regular season and postseason. Um, yeah, but that can be tough in baseball, where you can be Mike Trout on a bad team and not be in the playoffs. And so, like, if you made MVP <laughs> include the playoffs, would Mike Trout have ever won an MVP? And like right, that would also true. kind of be a shame, right? That's true. Um, basketball, like NBA, is the one where there's much more of an argument for including the playoffs for the MVP and stuff like yeah. that. Because in basketball, you do have they a do lot that? Of, or like, do they not? No, they don't. But they uh, okay. you better believe they announce it like deep, deep into the playoffs. Like I don't know, during the finals, before the finals, it's pretty far into the playoffs, and they're like here's the MVP winner. And like, sometimes the MVP at that point is eliminated from the playoffs while you're watching like LeBron play Steph Curry, but like somebody else is the MVP. (laughs) And so there it really flops because they're giving it for regular season performance. When a lot of your stars are like on cruise control and don't care that much. Right. Yeah. But Baseball, yeah, yeah it could kind of yeah. go either way. I but if you're going to do regular season, announce it at the exactly. end of the regular season. Announce it the regular <laughs> regular. Is it that big a deal to say like, oh, here is the this year's NL MVP coming up to bat in the postseason? That's actually kind of cool. They do that in college football to some degree with the Heisman, right? Not that I think the Heisman is that great of an award, but Heisman sucks. I'm over it. 
I've been over it, but they at least they do announce the winner before the Bulls. So, yeah, I I'm starting to I don't really care about any of these like individual achievement awards as much right, anymore. It's a, it's a championship mindset, Justin. We're way past the individual oh, nonsense. Oh, he just wants to what eat. Are, what are he we? What are we like the Phillies or the Mets? No. Oh, thank God. Oh my gosh. Had to live in that 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 misery and that shame. Well, it's just like if here's here's what I've I've realized watching the Heisman discussion college football this year is if you have a standout player, maybe the reason why he's standing out so much isn't because he's so good, but maybe his team sucks and they depend on them to produce at an <laughs> ultra high level. And I'm like, I don't know. There's a little bit of, you know, they talk about uh, quarterback, oh, subpar quarterbacks playing on good teams and getting their stats boosted from being surrounded by good athletes. Can you also get boosted by having to do so much? Like I have um, no doubt Matt Corral is probably going to win it this year, but like Ole Miss ain't competing for anything. I would say yes and no sometimes on that, right? Sometimes you you're like, I guess your raw statistics, like your total yardage or things like this, can be inflated by them needing you and you alone when nobody else is good, right? Like if you have one running back that's good and the rest of your offense is kind of trash, and you're just going to hand the ball to that running back every single time, if that guy's good, he's probably going to end up with a whole lot of yards at the end of the season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but probably his like yards per carry and how efficient he is is really going to suffer. So if you have a guy that is still able to be super efficient when he's the only guy on the team and the other team knows this is the dude getting the ball and they just give it to him every single play and he's still pretty efficient, then that's where, for me, where I kind of draw the line between like, is he getting numbers because they have no one else to give it to versus, wow, he's managing to put up numbers when they have no one else to give it to. (laughs) You know? I mean, I've said it before, but it's what I consider my Kentucky Vanderbilt rule, which is you have like a trash team with one standout player you know the other team is game planning for just that one good player. And so if that just one good player is able to still be super effective when the other team has nothing to focus on but that player, then they're good. Yeah, and that's I, a good point. That was always my Kentucky Vanderbilt rule of like, hey, I know this guy plays for Vanderbilt, but he's going to be a good NFL player because who the heck else are you going to game for when you play Vanderbilt? I remember going to those kind of games as a Georgia fan where you go down the field and you're supposed to wipe the floor with Arkansas and you're like, how the hell did Darren McFadden get 200 yards against this? Or excuse me, not Darren McFadden, Adrian Peterson get 200 yards against you're like, it. Was, oh. Yeah, it was, it was McFadden. Yeah. yeah. It was McFadden, but Peterson also got his. Oh, he was at Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I'm sorry. I meant McFadden. It's, it's yeah, it was a similar. Wait, wait, wait. There were two era. There were three running backs on that team. You had. Felix Jones. Felix Jones, Felix Jones and Peyton Hillis. Peyton yeah. Hillis. My boy! But the the intro to Darren McFadden for UGA fans was, was that the 05 season? Yeah. It was the 05 year Arkansas played at Georgia. I yeah. think McFadden was a true freshman. It's kind yes. of the middle of the season. People that. didn't know who McFadden was, right? And mm-hmm. very early in the game, they handed the ball, and he took off like 80 yards for a touchdown. And, and like, everybody oh. in the stands like freaking out. They're like... We suck. What is this? Some random guy from Arkansas scoring these big long touchdowns. And I was like, "Hey yeah. guys, <laughs> this guy good. from Arkansas is actually pretty good." Okay, just trust <laughs> me. <on> that <laughs> That's true. Based on what? His uniform color, strength of schedule. Here's my favorite one. If he's so good, why didn't they play for us? Why didn't we recruit him? <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Because uh, you can, I'm. Yeah. I think I tuned uh, in the past. Sorry, good. I was going to finish up the MVP spot. I think Austin Riley maybe deserves a look. Yeah, I was shocked Bryce, he didn't get Bryce like Harper on the is list. Up. I think talked about it. Then you can throw Austin Riley. Yeah, they're going to give it to Bryce Harper, and they should probably. Or so, This was the first year, I think, ever where all three finalists from the AL and the NL, I believe, were all out of the playoffs. Like, none of them made the playoffs. So the... Uh, whoop the F and do. Nice. Yeah, well, I, I think what that tells me is the the shift from somebody has to put up big numbers on a winning team because your team has to be winning or else you, you know, you can't actually be that good or valuable if your team's not winning has shifted over to people just being like, 
okay, if this guy's really good, you know, yeah. that's who I we're going to give it to. I which I do kind of like. Um, it's true. I also but, like when folks, and I don't know if they do it for these particular words, I like when they take into account some of the newer statistics when they weigh a player's value. Because I get a little annoyed sometimes. But he's got more more home runs. Or something like that. But they're ignoring like a like a war or or WRC plus and stuff like that. OPS yeah. is pretty and big. OPS, too. that's the other one. Right. And and I think like if you look at a lot of the finalists from this year, you had you're looking at guys that had, you know, really high values in like war and WRC plus and, and OPS and, and stuff like that. Yeah, they they definitely got it right. I'm not I'm really not upset that no Braves I mean, the Braves um, were, were a great team. There wasn't like somebody who ever it's it's I mean that was the story of the playoff run, right? It was it was a different person during each stretch kind of taking the team and pushing them forward. At one point it was Jock and then it was Rosario and then you had Solaire. There were a couple of moments where Austin and Dansby had like it was just like a team effort. And so I'm not surprised. Yeah. I will say Bryce Harper's OPS is utterly insane this year, and uh, he would be a really good MVP candidate if you're just talking about prolific playing on an individual yeah. basis. Yeah, you know the way the way the Braves were constructed this year, as far as MVP candidates go, uh, Ronald Acuna was your National League MVP, and then he yeah, got hurt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Right? Um, Can you Freddie, imagine if we'd have had him in the lineup for this run? Oh man! Well, it looked it probably looked a little different because we probably wouldn't yeah. sign as many outfielders. It's hard to yeah, you know, but scratch that. But it is true. Like if you look at you know, the Braves were just built on a bunch of dudes that like are going to hit thirty home runs. Like Freddie, thirty, uh, Albie's thirty. I think Dansby was a little short of thirty. Like Austin Riley, thirty. Acuna almost had freaking thirty home runs uh, before get yeah before he got yeah. hurt. Ozuna would have had 30 runs. Uh, hopefully he spends 30 more years in jail instead, even though that won't happen. Amen. And then you had like uh, Jorge Soler and Adam Duvall, who I think Duvall was 30 overall with both I teams think combined. Too. I think but both too. of those guys hit more than a 30 home run pace with the Braves, right? So you just look at it and the lineup was just like one, two, like I don't know, six guys in the lineup that were at a 30 home run pace because Acuna wasn't in there. And then you still had like Jock Peterson with a little bit of power and even Travis Darno with a little bit, at least in the playoffs, it felt like, mm-hmm. but and I heard he was playing hurt for a lot of the playoffs, which I, makes sense. Cause he it just felt like he'd never really got anything going at the plate until late, late, late in the world series. Yeah. But, yeah, it was nice to just being able to be like, oh, this guy has 30 home runs. This guy has 30 home runs. I, I kid you not, because I went to see the Braves play the Giants in, was it September maybe? It was towards yeah, it was the end right of the season. At the end. Yeah, it was right yeah, I just can't remember if it was August or September, but it was towards the end of the season. And I was there with a couple friends that are, so some Giants fans, some were Dodgers fans, just kind of going. And, uh, yeah, they were like, does everybody on your team have 30 home runs? And I was like, yeah, pretty much. That's what they do. <laughs> I was like, we have a bunch of guys that hit home runs. And so they just like, come up to the plate and they go, I hit dangers. Yeah, I love that kid. Yeah. <laughs> I hit dangers. Oh, so, and, oh and man. what you saw in the regular season, right? Was that you saw the streakiness of a home run constructed team. A lot of times where you would like hit three home runs and win six to one. And the next game, you would not hit a home run, and you would lose three to one. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the turning point, obviously, was the trade deadline, where you added some more guys, and you went from four home run hitters to like six or seven home run hitters. And that's right. what happens, right? If if half your team can hit home runs, you're going to have games where you hit a lot of home runs and games where you don't. If everybody in the lineup can hit home runs. The amount of games where you don't hit home runs and don't score runs goes way down, and you're much more consistent. And that showed up in the regular season and the playoffs, right? Because we've yeah. seen Braves teams before in the playoffs where you have like 
three or four dudes that are hitting like 30, 40, 50 home runs. And you get to the playoffs. Yeah, and you get to the playoffs, and you might have a game where you score 10 runs because you mash some bombs. But pitching's good too, so you're going to have some off days. And if your big sluggers don't hit home runs, you're toast, right? And this Braves team was like, well, if your big sluggers don't hit home runs, like every other guy might. And so it was a... it worked out really well. Like it ended up being a very well constructed team, um, which I think they played at like what a hundred and five, hundred and six win rate of baseball post All Star break, right? So like you yes. know, it it's very interesting and or funny or whatever, and sometimes kind of cool where it's like oh the eighty eight win Braves, and then you had like the well Hank Aaron was number forty four, and you had like. 44 wins before the all-star break and 44 wins after the all-star break and whatever the numerology people, um, it was kind of interesting, but the Braves were not playing at 88 win rate of baseball after the deadline. Once you got your additions in there, right? They were playing like an elite team. They were playing at the same rate as the Dodgers and giants who had such great records. Right. So. Yeah. Um, we'll go Braves. We'll see what the hot stove has in store for us moving forward. Um, I didn't know if you guys had any other things you wanted to say about college football. <laughs> There's it's so much to talk weeks. about. I think there I, is. I got it. Hold on. I'll, there was a good one from Mark Rick, I believe. Um, Mark Rick was at the game on this past Saturday uh, against Missouri. They honored him at halftime and stuff, which was nice, right? A lot of credit to Mark Richt. Um, Also, it's good that McGarity wasn't there as Josh Brooks, so... Oh, (laughs) F-M-F-er. That that made things go a lot better, right? Um, But, so, he's got a... uh, Mark Richt, his Twitter, he has a picture with Harry Dog and Blooper, because yeah. Blue Blue is at the game, right? With Jock. With Jock. And uh, Mark Rick tweeted, battle. wow, I got to hang out with one world champion and one future national champion. So oh. that's about how things are going. There you go. Um, oh, they spelled out Mark Rick's name. The band did, too, right? They, like, did they really? Yeah. Yeah. I saw him and Kirby had a moment on the field together, and it looked really nice. Oh, that's sweet. You know, yeah. Oh, good to see that. He did. He did the voiceover for like the game trailer for that week and stuff too. So that was cool. Yeah. Mark Rick's a good enough dude where like Florida fans have to admit that he's a good person. So that's he's true. at that level. I've heard I have, people. I have a buddy. I have a buddy who listens and he's a Georgia Tech fan, and he hates when we talk about Georgia. I wonder how he feels about Mark Well, Rick. guess what, buddy? <laughs> Would you like <laughs> us to talk about Georgia Tech? Because that's going to be worse for you. Here we go. All right. Uh, do you think Blooper's going to go to uh, to North Avenue to do the trade, thing? North Avenue Trade School? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, he might. He, wait, is the Georgia-Georgia Tech game at Tech? Because he might go then with all the yeah. Georgia fans. <laughs> I did see Tech played Miami pretty close, but in the end, could not get the win. Wow. Congrats to Tech for playing somebody close. And actually, by the way, that game was kind of like fluky close. I don't think it should have been close, but they are three and six. They beat Kennesaw State, North Carolina somehow, and Duke. So congrats on that. They're going to finish. Yeah, they're going to finish three and nine. Wow. That man might get fired. Captain really? Waffle House? Well, it's his second year, right? Is it a second year? It's a third. Or, it's third. It might be third. It might be third. Yeah. Well, they're transitioning out of the option, right? Still, or that is... doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. Like that's, yeah, that's a reason why you know normally year one of a new coach things are not clicking, right? You're transitioning from the triple option, so you can extend that a year and be like, okay, it might, and you might have a couple of years of things not clicking by year three. Man, you should be seeing something. And three Especially and nine. He's recruiting at a better clip than Paul Johnson did. Yeah. Well, like, not elite, but better. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the answer to that is maybe. Maybe. Because his first class there was like 
Paul Johnson level class, which is when you have transition classes now with the signing day being in December, that's like not unusual. And then his second class there, they actually got some like pretty good players for Georgia Tech. And it was like, oh, we got some recruiting. We're going to turn this thing around. And then the next year, the third class was like right back to Paul Johnson levels. And then this next class upcoming for them looks like it will be pretty good by their standards. Now that only holds if the class holds and if they don't fire the coach. So it wouldn't be very wise to fire the coach if they want to hold that class. So maybe a little bit safer. A three and nine is bad. The way that team is run just reminds me of like, I don't know. It reminds me of an Adam Sandler movie. Like we're going to have guys lifting weights on the sidelines. The coach is always going to be crowing about Waffle House. They have market marketing synergy guys, juicing guys. Like what the hell is this? The problem for them is year one, three and nine. Year two, three and seven. Year three, probably three and nine. Like at some point, you have to win more than three games. Yeah, you have to. He might get a fourth year. If he gets a fourth year, he's absolutely going to have to like make a bowl game. Yeah, it's bowl or bust at that point. And I think and I don't. I don't know what his seven-year contract. I don't know what his buyout is. Yeah, I, I imagine the buyout plays a big role in it. Um, I also imagine that at a seven-year contract, after four years, with only three years left, that buyout at that point should be relatively low. Yeah, my favorite moment. I'm sure. Um, sorry, Jonathan's friend who his name's Zach. Uh, Rich, sorry, Zach. I know that you've probably had better moments since. Uh, if I have better memories of the Jeff Collins era, but to me, the highlight of your era was his first spring game where he lined up the offense in that wishbone formation. That flex, I guess the flex bone, whatever Paul Johnson used to run, and then they immediately motioned to an empty backfield in the whole the 20 fans who were there all went nuts. And now it looks like to me, you probably be better off running the flex bone again. All right. That's I found funny. the details. I found the details on his contract and buyout stuff. And mm-hmm. it's very unlikely that he would be fired before finishing year four. Um, if he, if he's fired within the first four years, he receives 100% of the remaining value of the deal, which is like, I don't know, three year. It's a, it would be about three and a half million per year that they would have to pay him. Yeah. If they fire him after four years, they <clears throat> only pay him 2.4 million a year. No. So at that point, his, if they fired him after year four, his buyout would be a little over seven million. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Zach, I love you. You know we love the Braves. Zach used to work as a trainer for the Falcons back in the day. He doesn't do that anymore. But the I, birds. Hey, I will say this though: there is a chance. There's a scenario out there where Georgia Tech is like a somewhat decent bowl team in year four. Like that's not off the table right their quarterback is a sophomore their best player running back is a sophomore um their quarterback missed some time due to injury this year he's back now so it's no longer an excuse but you know they have enough pieces you know like i said he had that one recruiting class that was pretty solid by their standards those guys will be juniors next year Okay, so there is reason to believe that they can win a few more games. Yeah, so it's, you know, very possible that they are, you know, well, they should, I would expect right now, without knowing a lot of details, they can win more than three games. That's pretty low <laughs> bar. Um, but, yeah, I, I would, it would be reasonable for them to say this should be a bowl game in year four, and if it's not a bowl game, like, a yeah. change has to be made. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I was thinking, I was thinking a lot about ACC this weekend because I did watch a lot of ACC football because a lot of the there's a couple there were a couple of quarterbacks the past couple of weeks with the little Heisman buzz and so I tuned in to watch them and then I watched what's his name at Pitt Kenny Pickett is that his name Yeah Kenny Pickett I watched him blow his Heisman campaign throwing a pick late in the game 
to like come mm-hmm. back. And he played great. Like he's still a great quarterback, but I was like, I don't know about that. And then this past weekend, what was I watching? UNC Wake Forest. Yes, it was UNC Wake Forest. That was they they just like it was like a video game. It was like everyone score on every drive. Yeah, it was entertaining. It was more fun than watching that freaking Auburn Texas A&M game. Hey, guys, back to our Georgia Tech corner here. I forgot they lost to Northern Illinois to open the season. I don't. Brutal. Did, they, did, they paid that man a million dollars to come in. Isn't that, where Michael, isn't, isn't that, isn't that where Michael Turner? Am I, am I making that up? Oh, that's where yes. he was from. Yeah. Did yeah. he line up and play that day? He did not. I bet he would have gotten a rushing touchdown, though. Oh Probably true. 40-year-old Michael Turner. I uh, forgot about that. Did they I, really pay him? Was that a pay one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Zach, I love you. I, I, don't, I don't like... I don't want Georgia Tech to stay down this bad because I think the... <laughs> I it do. should be clear. It should be clear. Justin speaks only for himself. <laughs> I love Zach. I love, but <laughs> let me be I clear. No, I'm not saying... I don't want them, I want them... I want them to be kind of a regular, you know, five or six win team. I don't want them to be a three win team because then it just feels like, you know, I don't know. I Can they be a zero win team? That's what I vote for. I, I know. If I know one thing about Scott is he's got hate in his heart for Tech. He always has. I love it so much, and I do too because we grew up in Metro Atlanta, and that was just. And back I when we were growing up, Tech was a lot better than they are now, and so you really had like some like years there where they were they were the rivalry was a little bit more. I would say. Oh, I do. I do remember, and and you had some some bad beats due to officiating at the end of games, and a lot of Tech fans that would. Uh, be oh so superior because they won the game because the refs like blew the call that kind of stuff yeah or their quarterback forgot there's four downs and not five uh classic (laughs) so so smart uh let's see that's he was doing he was too busy doing calculus on the sideline he forgot to count (laughs) uh So speaking hey guys, of, hey, uh, did you know? Did you know that's why tech's not good? Because calculus. Did you guys know that? It's not their fault that they're so bad. That's it's not their fault. They have such high academic have such standards. high academic standards. They're so much higher than Stanford or Northwestern or all these other like or academic Purdue. schools. Yeah, <laughs> Purdue is just for uh, it's a teacher degree factory. That's an education school. So that's why they're allowed <laughs> to get good players. They don't do engineering. Oh man. Look at Purdue. They've been like the they spoiled two Big Ten teams seasons this year. Which I don't you know, I don't care that much about the Big Ten, but it is funny seeing them do it. Almost back to back weeks. It was Michigan State last week and uh Iowa a few weeks ago. Yeah, a few weeks yeah. ago. They got Ohio State coming up this week. But Ooh, boy. I have a hard time seeing how Purdue could pull it off that many times in a row, right? True. They can throw. Like, they, uh, they throw the ball. That's for damn sure. Yeah, they got one guy, one receiver, David Bell, who's really good. But it it really feels like after a few upset wins, almost in a row of just uh, throwing to David Bell, at yeah, some point the true. other team is going to be like, "Hey, wait a minute, we should cover that guy." So, so there's another there's another little group text I'm in, and for some reason. I have this friend who is hell bent on seeing Cincinnati make the playoffs. And I keep going, did you put money on that? Like, did you put money on Cincinnati making it to the final four and playoffs? And so we keep texting about scenarios in which that would happen. And I feel like Purdue really has to beat Ohio state. And not only that, I think Bama would have needed to have lost this past weekend. Right. I don't, I don't think Bama plays much into Cincinnati's chances other than the scenario where a one loss Bama beats undefeated Georgia. So uh-huh. Bama losing and having two losses would help, but also two loss Bama that doesn't win a conference will be behind undefeated Cincinnati. Even okay. if, even if they're maybe still better than Cincinnati, but Cincinnati definitely needs there to, they need some combination of some big 10 chaos Oklahoma dropping a game, Oregon dropping a second game. Where Cincinnati gets in trouble is if you have twelve and one Georgia and twelve and one Alabama, 
because yeah. you could possibly have both those teams in. And if you have one loss Ohio State and one loss Oregon, who beat Ohio State, yeah, and you have like undefeated Oklahoma, undefeated Oklahoma still, still out now there. you now you have five Power Five teams that in a normal year would all make it, and yeah. then Cincinnati six. So in that scenario, two teams are going to get squeezed. Like two actual deserving teams would probably mm-hmm. get squeezed. And Cincinnati is probably one of them. That said, we've never actually had a scenario where you had six teams that should get in. We usually have the scenario where you have three teams that should get in, and we have to like scrape up team number four. Yeah. <laughs> so, I uh, I thought it was hilarious seeing the outrage over the cl- the the first CFP poll because there was a huge huge disconnect between that. Isn't and the there AP. always? Yeah, but all it seems like for the apart from Michigan State being at number three, it seems like most of their opinions were justified the following weekend. So Cincinnati well, struggles again against uh like a mediocre mid-major opponent. Uh, I could, yeah, I could and, understand like maybe like the I'm not gonna say casual fan, but like somebody seeing that and being like, "That's odd," or "What's that about?" But because I listened to a bunch of podcasts and nerd out on it, I wasn't too surprised that they did it. And I kind of saw what they were doing. And it's one of those things that by the end of the year, you'll look back and be like, that was probably pretty close. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing too, right? Undefeated Oklahoma was ranked behind Cincinnati. Undefeated Wake Forest was ranked behind Cincinnati. And the reason those teams were not ranked in the top four is because they hadn't played a particularly tough schedule and they hadn't looked particularly dominant while playing that not particularly tough schedule. Same goes for Cincinnati, right? So a lot of people are like, you know, it's it's very, I don't know, hipster's not even the right word, but uh, I've heard it said that a lot of the capital J journalists when it comes to sports are yeah. very big on the group of five must be represented. We have to get Cincinnati in. They deserve to be in. There's bias against, the, against Cincinnati and the G5. And it's like, I don't know, man. It looks to me like uh, they got the benefit of the doubt over Oklahoma and Wake Forest. So, <laughs> it's it's yeah. such a weird, weird little argument. But, but we're still talking about expanding the playoffs to eight or 12 teams. And I don't get it. We don't need it. I, I know you guys don't like it. I'm for it. Not 12, maybe, but eight. I could do eight. Because there's something, because there's something important about being able to sell that at least having a chance for a school that, like you say, the likelihood that they'll ever win it is maybe non-existent, but like it's significant to at least tell, like, to for them to at least know that the deck is not stacked against them. Is it good for the sport? But that's the thing: you're not actually making it where the deck's not stacked against them. You're letting people be deluded into thinking the deck is not stacked against them. You're just letting people willfully be wrong, right? Well, well, then you'll be the, wrong. <laughs> well, part of the thing is, right, and we've talked about this before, the problem is that there used to be a very nicely tiered system of rewards and achievements, right, where you could be excited about the things you had achieved. Now, there's only one thing to be excited about, and that's a national champion. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Nobody's excited about conference championships anymore, except for the teams that can't really win a can't really win a conference championship, or it's very unlikely, right? Right. Like it used to be. I mean, go back to like pre BCS or even early BCS days, because in the early BCS days, we hadn't fully shifted over to like the ESPN playoff hype machine, but it was starting with the BCS. But it took a while to set in, right? Mm-hmm. You look at those years. When Georgia won an SEC championship, yeah, that was something to be excited about. I'm thinking of 2002 specifically. Yeah, 2002 yeah. specifically. That was one, right? Yeah. Um, you were excited about that. Were you a little disappointed that you weren't like playing in the BCS title? Like, sure, but mostly you were excited to win the conference, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, teams had goals of win the conference, even if you weren't winning your conference, right? When you get halfway through the season, if you have a couple losses, you're like, okay, we got this guy, you know, that's playing well or whatever. 
you can still win, get a good bowl game because you were excited about getting a good bowl game. That still meant True. something. True. Right. Now there's only the playoffs are good bowl games and nothing else is good bowl game because anything that's not the playoffs, all your good players are going to opt out. So yeah. we used think, to have, we used to have 50 bowl games and 30 of them mattered. Yeah. And now we have 50 bowl saying. games and three of them matter. It's so true. they're like, that Oh no, true. we made all our bowl games not count. How do we get more bowl games that count? And they're going to just say, expand the playoff. And then they're going to go, Oh no, oops, this made people care about the regular season less. How do we fix that? Expand the playoffs. Well, the only way to fix it is to go back in time and and not do the playoff, well, which obviously is never gonna happen. gonna happen. I, I think I think it will come back around. I think once they expand it, um, you'll see more of like an appreciation for you know what we would say in other sports with playoffs, like, oh, they oh, went wow. on a nice little playoff run. That'll it'll swing the pendulum will swing back around and people will start appreciating like hey even oh, though yeah. we didn't win the big one we beat that first round game and we shouldn't have done it. Um, nope. I know y'all people, are pessimistic about it, well, but I do it, think it'll come back. Here's around. here's part of why John college football is so very different from all the pro sports and one of the big way two of the big ways one it's like hyper regional and that's a mm-hmm. like that's a feature not a bug right sure. And two, you have like 130-something teams. Yeah. Right? So until you get to a 64-team playoff, a 64-team playoff is where you start to get the same playoff effects that you have with pro sports. When you get to a 64-team playoff, that's when you get to have the 40th best team go on a good playoff run and people be excited about it. If we do but until a, you get until you get to like a thirty-two or sixty-four team playoff, you're not going to have teams go on runs because the twelfth team is going to be like Memphis, and they're going to get sacrificed to twelve and one Alabama in the first round. I, I hear what you're saying that the likelihood of an upset like that happening is very low, but I've seen some number one, number two teams blow it to teams that no one thought but they it, would blow it to. But it usually I've seen it not happen in bowl games. Yes, I'm yeah, thinking but, of Boise yeah, State talking, over Alabama. You're talking about Boise game. State in Alabama. No, Sorry, you're thinking in Oklahoma. Boise State in Oklahoma. And you're talking field. about games where one side has already mailed it in and they don't care anymore. And other time, other side is trying. I think you to would get a little something. less of that if you would just expand it, but I because that does well, happen. Well, that's the thing. Right. You're gonna so teams five through twelve, teams five through twelve would care about their playoff bowl games a lot more than they care about their current non <clears throat> playoff bowl games, right? Right. So in that scenario, your postseason for teams five through twelve, you get better games and better matchups. And what you're sacrificing is a lot of the regular season. But, and this is what, you know, back to the original complaint, we used to already care about the teams in games or teams five through 12 in bowl games before the playoff. It used to already be good, fun matchups where teams cared. Yeah, it but, used I, to be, but it lacked, it lacked structure and it lacked like a, like an actual bracket, which like the sub, like, what is it? Division two had the bracket where they do the playoff every year. And it just lacked that, and I think it needed that. And but I think I think, they, I think college football isn't supposed to have that. College football isn't inherently neatly structured like all. Maybe the other that's true, leagues. but they wanted it, and so it's not going to get yeah, wrong. And so it. now you just got to make it the best it can be. Just stick at four. Just stay at four forever. Since if you we can't go, go back to, to two, what if we did like six and the top two get a buy? Six is the worst. Okay, what if we did eight? <laughs> I'm just gonna end the podcast. Twelve, 12 is no, twelve is better than eight, in my opinion. <laughs> if we go to thirty-two or sixty-four, I have well, a few ideas for 32. how to brand it. Yeah. Can we can we call it instead of March? Is it since this is college football's version of March Madness? Can we call it December Dysphoria? Oh gosh, that's pretty good. The the hard part about getting to like thirty-two or sixty-four is going to be the number of games, and so yeah, you'll have to have thirty-two or sixty-four. It's too many. No, games. it's impossible. But I mean, thirty. I mean, doesn't uh, FCS do a thirty-two team playoff already? Uh, I have to look it up. It's. it's I'm pretty like sure they do. More than twelve. It's more than twelve. So I think I mean, it's sixteen, right? So like, I, I say the hard part about getting to thirty-two or sixty-four is the number of games. 
I did not say that's why it will not get to 32 or 64, because eventually it'll get to 32. It'll require some things that happen, like we'll have to get to a point where the players are sort of consistently getting income out of it, right? So that people don't get too mad about unpaid players having to play this many more games. But... Man, I, 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 you're still a couple iterations away from that, right? Like, twenty-four. Twenty-four. Yeah. So you're still a couple iterations away. Like you got to do twelve, and then sixteen, and then maybe twenty-four or thirty-two. And if each of those are like five or six or eight-year cycles before you change, you're still a couple decades away from it being twenty-four. But it's like, look, once we get to twelve teams, how long is it before people say? Hey, you know FCS does twenty-four teams. Why don't we have a twenty-four team playoff like FCS? Let me ask you: Do people? Hey man, I'm still enjoying watching college football, even all these changes. So, I it's would fun. just encourage anyone who thinks that's a good idea to either go to the College Football Hall of Fame only when it's free. It's not worth thirty dollars, but when it's free, it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Go see all the paraphernalia and all the rings and all the crap, you know, from like the older era, or go watch an old college football game on ESPN Classic or something. People get hyped up for even the little, like even the rivalry games. Like the energy's insane. There's something really special when it was about the rivalries and the conference championships and the bowl games, and we're totally killing that. I don't think, I think y'all are a little too dramatic on how killed the rivalries and things are because. I pal around with a lot of folks from a lot of different SEC schools, and it's still, it's still a thing, man. You talk about I don't, the FC. I don't think the rivalries are killed, but I do think that all of the regular season games, rivalries and non-rivalries, slowly become less important the more emphasis you put on the playoffs. And that's, that's just true. how I it mean, goes, right? The more emphasis <laughs> and, you put on the top prize, yeah. Right. And what was good about college football was that all the regular season games were important and they mattered because any single game you lost meant that you were going to be in some shameful bowl game that you would get crap about for a decade, right? <laughs> or, any, bowl. or any game that you won meant that you were going to ruin somebody else's national title hopes or conference title hopes or you were going to banish somebody else to the Liberty Bowl because... You upset them when you were bad. You know what I mean? I mean, yes. You had all these. You had all these tiers. Now it's binary. It's playoffs, nothing. Playoffs, nothing. And before you had a whole bunch of different tiers. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's completely ruined by the presence of the format now. I think it's def. There's definitely a diminished importance because, like, talking when people talk about the SEC championship, it feels like a bonus lap right now for Georgia. When you think, when you think about what are their ultimate goals? Yeah. Not even at this point, it's not even a goal. It does. It literally doesn't even matter if you win the SEC or not. As long as you beat Tennessee and nobody cares for the rest of the three games. Oh, you I lose think, Alabama. Doesn't matter. Why well, even matter? I think it matters this year. It won't matter in the, in the, in the sense of making the playoff. You're right. It won't right. matter. It won't matter they, at all. So it won't matter at all. No, right. it matters to me if we beat Bama personally. Right, and if you okay, beat Bama so. this time, you based you almost guarantee you won't see him again. So that there's a strategic, but also if you lose to him, you get that's a mulligan. You get a second shot. So right, so it just literally doesn't matter, right? Like we I lost guess, to Auburn yeah. in 2017, and I did not care one bit. It didn't even bother me. It bothered me. I got so many Auburn fans. Easy for you to say, pal, over there in San Jose. I- I have tons of Auburn fans, right? I grew up watching the Georgia Auburn game at our friend's house who were Auburn fans always, right? Um, But it was one of those things where it's like, hey, we're just going to play them again in three weeks. And And that's the game that counts. Three weeks. (laughs) Yes, that was very fun. So in, in that case, we played them twice. And the first game, I didn't care because the second game was the one with playoff implications. We play Alabama twice this year. I don't care about the first game because it doesn't affect the playoff. Also, at that point, Gus Malzahn had beaten Alabama too. We all know that lightning can strike twice with Gus Malzahn, but it does not strike three times at once. Auburn Jesus, Auburn Jesus is only good for so many lightning strikes. (laughs) Uh, All right, right, y'all, I got to run. All right, just good time. I had fun, y'all. We We didn't get talk about. I was about to ask: Is Florida going to make a bowl game? 
troubling times when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes, the hot takes, the medium rare takes, and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on Twitter tomorrow. We need a sports takes to bring us back together. Now more than ever, these are the takes that unite us. The take that unites us is that Florida got their ass kicked by South Carolina, and South Carolina is not really even that good. Shane Beamer hey. looked surprised. <laughs> when the head coach is surprised at how hard that ass was whooped, you know he did something wrong. <laughs> like, I didn't figure it'd go that way. Like, man, we're usually I mean, not up at halftime. This is nice. Florida's <laughs> probably going to finish 6-6 six and six and make a bowl game, right? Well, man, Florida State. Let's, oh, no, that won't. Yeah, yeah, for bowl game it will count. Oh, I don't... They can lose but, to South Carolina. They can lose to Florida State. All right, here's, here's the thing, though. They don't have to beat Florida State to be bowl eligible. They could just beat uh, Samford and Mizzou and lose to Florida State. Let's go, Mizzou. Let's so go. They just, uh, we all assume they'll beat Samford um, unless they see the Bulldogs on the logo and just have PTSD and somehow uh, lose that. Uh, 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 um, but it, if they beat Samford and split with Mizzou and Florida State, they're bowl eligible. So uh, they're still going to probably be bowl eligible. I mean, they're more likely to be seven and five than they are to like, Go five and seven and not make it. Well, it was fun, gents. Oh, hold on. Moment of moment of silence for our fallen brother. R.I.P. Todd Grantham. Gone but never forgotten. <laughs> oh Gone man. Too soon, much too soon if you ask me. hmm Three times in charge. He doesn't really like third third things. No. Not his favorite. <laughs> <laughs>